Good morning and welcome to Radio Veritas, Father David. Thank you very much, Francis. It's lovely to have you with us. So we invited you on the show because we're about to celebrate the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola this week. And we just wanted to talk a little bit about the work of the Society of Jesus in South Africa and about your own role as regional superior. So if you'd like to just begin by telling us a little bit about what the Jesuits do in the country. Well, we're based in two places at the moment, in uh, Johannesburg and in Cape Town. In Johannesburg, of course, in a way, our sort of flagship apostolate is the uh, Jesuit Institute, which does various things Mm -hmm. uh, in the spirituality, social justice, commentary on current affairs and so on. So that would be, in a way, uh, a very important work that we're doing here in South Africa. We also have in Cape Town uh, a Jesuit who's working with the Catholic Parliamentary Liaison Office, and I suppose there there is a link between the Jesuit Institute in Johannesburg and uh, the Jesuits in Cape Town. I think also the Jesuits in South Africa are running chaplaincies and universities. One of our sort of thrusts in the last few years has to try and get Jesuits to work on what we call the frontiers of the faith. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we've been doing that in the spirituality domain in the in the Jesuit Institute, um, giving retreats to those maybe who are not Catholic, who are from other uh, uh, religious traditions, and also in the chaplaincy work. We have uh, chaplaincies here in Johannesburg at two universities, the University of Johannesburg and at Wits University, and in Cape Town at the University of Cape Town. And I think those, that area, that domain is an important one for helping people in that transition stage, what I would like to call the adolescence of faith, allowing uh, students to question their faith, helping them through that difficult period. And I think that's quite an important work as well. Certainly. I'd like to, if I may, just touch in on some of those as we go along and just explore them a little bit more. Sure. Um, if we if we were to start maybe with the one that you you mentioned last, if we started with the chaplaincies, I know that long ago you yourself were a chaplain, um, and just to talk perhaps a little bit about the Jesuit approach to chaplaincies. I know that sometimes people see university students as being quite a frightening element in the church. I've certainly heard that from some priests and pastors, and even the odd bishop, um, that that as young people take on professional education as they are taught to think analytically, when they begin to turn that kind of thinking towards matters of faith, that can be quite um, intimidating to some uh, traditional Catholics. And yet Jesuits seem to thrive in that environment. Well, I think uh, we also have quite a strong tradition of um, uh, work in the intellectual apostolate. Uh, In other countries, we run universities, universities. There's a project at the moment to start again two new universities on the continent of Africa. Uh, We run, as you know, various important university institutions in uh, the United States, Fordham, Georgetown, those kind of places, Loyola University in Chicago. So we have a tradition of working in the intellectual apostolate and of being able to accompany people in that And so I think from that tradition, we are able to help people in that 
and stays. As I said before, I believe that um, one goes through in faith what one goes through in physical growth, uh, an adolescence of faith where you want to question everything where you're making it your own and you uh, and so to help uh, the students in that approach to sort of uh, help them to realistically answer the questions uh, the difficulties that they have to explore a little bit the realms of morality the realms of liturgy the realms of social interaction and so on and uh, uh, that would help them to grow and maybe mature into mature faith and uh, as you said i was indeed a uh, a chaplain at uh, Witz university and I may say, you yourself were a student there at that time. <laughs> I do remember. That's how I know. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I mean, thank you for that experience and for your, your formation at that point in my life. If we were to just look again, I know we, we, we've not touched on it directly, but the other place you were talking about Jesuits going to difficult places. And I always remember Pope Benedict uh, in his address to the Jesuits spoke about Jesuits going to places that other people don't want to go to in the church. And one of the places that really strikes me as really being like that in South Africa is the ministry of JRS, which is another Jesuit apostolate. And I wondered if you'd just like to talk a little bit about that as well in the context of the work of the society? Well, I think that is an important work, and I think uh, that we're talking about the Feast of St. Ignatius. Really, uh, a Jesuit would like to try and capture that charism, that um, foundation vision that the founder had. And one of the important experiences that Ignatius had was a pilgrimage he made to the Holy Land after, shortly after his conversion. And I think it was that experience of really putting his whole trust in God, to really trust in God from a day-to-day -day experience as he walked along the road, uh, depending on the arms of people, uh, allowing himself to be fed, sometimes going hungry and so on, but allowing himself to really trust in the Lord. And I think as modern-day Jesuits, we have to try and recapture that kind of trust in God, that God wants us to be apostles, God wants us to be disciples of his, Jesus wants us to follow him, and to follow him having that complete trust in him. And that complete trust in him means following Christ poor, uh, as Ignatius would put it himself, following a poor Christ, uh, uh, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, was what how Jesus described himself. And uh, refugees are really like that. They are really the poorest of the poor, having left their their uh, homes, their families sometimes behind. And they are really, in a way, living out what we are supposed to be doing of trusting in God uh, for day-to-day -day living. And so um, the Jesuit Refugee Service in South Africa, we, uh, there's a, a region of the Jesuit Refugee Service based here in South Africa with a, a, a regional director. And that covers projects of the Jesuit Refugee Service in Malawi, where there's a very big uh, refugee camp. And there are more refugees coming across from the troubles in Mozambique. 
And then there is a camp in Zimbabwe, in the south of Zimbabwe, training people, helping people to give them skills to enable them to to make a living. Uh, and then there is a, a growing, we were about to close the refugee service in Angola, uh, but now there are big troubles in the Democratic Republic of Congo mm-hmm. and refugees are flooding back into Angola. So we, we reopening and boosting our uh, station there in, uh, in Angola. The Angolan government was sending refugees back to the Congo until NGOs like Jesuits refugee service arrived. And they were then uh, shamed into opening up a camp for refugees. And so we are working there. Then, of course, there's JRS South Africa itself, which has a large number of, uh, of refugees, what we would call urban refugees living in uh, Johannesburg mainly. Uh, we are based, again, giving them skills helping people to uh, uh, those refugees who are sick and need home-based care. There's a project in that uh, sphere, um, which is really quite harrowing people who are sort of, for example, dying of AIDS and so on, and, and who don't have access because they are refugees to normal government health services. And so that is an important work in that, uh, trying to help them, the refugees in Johannesburg, helping them to get documentation, helping them to find themselves uh, some kind of livelihood in order to survive. And, of course, we have uh, had bad experiences in South Africa of these xenophobic attacks. And so really they um, are quite... uh, uh, a persecuted group of people who we would really like to help. And of course, we are not alone in this. We have collaborators and the Scalabrini fathers and sisters. Uh, 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 each diocese has a, a refugee desk, as does the Bishop's Conference, and we try to work together. An interesting thing that's growing and certainly concerning me a little bit more and more um, is another particularly um group that really needs some church intervention and help, and that is the whole question of human trafficking. Mm. This is now becoming more and more um, obvious that there's a huge trade going on that we are really only seeing glimpses of, and we really need to strategize to try and find out. And I've certainly brought this up at the uh, Jesuit Provincials of Africa meeting in Kigali in Rwanda, which we had in April this year, to try and see if there's other uh, areas on the African continent where we can help. And, of course, JRS Africa and JRS Europe, of course, are concerned particularly about this huge migration of refugees to Europe. In the last 48 hours, it came across in the news services that 8,000 people had been plucked from the Mediterranean. Wow. That's a frightening statistic. Of those those people who have already... And met some of them probably died there as they crossed the the Sahara Desert. That is a huge problem, and we need to find the source of this, what causes people to do this, uh, to risk everything, 
not once but twice and many times to to find a livelihood in Europe and it is a problem it is an African problem and we need to try and work at that so it's a quite a multifaceted thing this whole question of refugees a human trafficking and how we can respond to it so let me just be clear here you're you're saying that linked into the problem of the migration of peoples that are currently falling under the issue of refugees, there's also the trafficking of persons and that those two are interlinked. They're not separate. Yes, I think, I think that would seem to be the case. So that seems to be okay. Well, that actually makes sense because we know that traffickers look for people who are vulnerable and dislocated and displaced and separated from family and structures. So. Yes. And, so obviously uh, refugees are a, a very vulnerable target. Yeah, and uh, especially women and children who are uh, in a way the prime victims of human trafficking and that is something really we need to to become more aware of. Mm. But of course that is, um, they're telling us that this is very dangerous work because there are very powerful people behind this this trafficking and um, government officials, big, powerful businessmen. And so it's, the strategy needs to be well worked out as we try and tackle it. This would be another example of Jesuits going where others are perhaps afraid to go. Yes. Oh, but there are some fantastic people doing work in this. There's a sister, Melanie O'Connor of the yes. Southern African Bishops' Conference, who really is quite courageous in this. And we need to support people like that more and more. Oh, thank you for those insights, David. That's uh, very interesting. I'd like to just for a moment touch on, I know that there are also Jesuits working in ordinary parishes around the country, not many of them, but I do know that you you still, despite all the other apostolates that you have priests in, you still try to maintain a presence in some of the parishes. And can you talk a little bit about the parishes that have Jesuit fathers in them and why the Jesuits still keep a parish ministry running even though you're involved in so many other apostolates for the church? Well, um, I think that the parishes that we run, uh, we run Holy Trinity in Bramfontein. Um, it's well uh, called Holy Trinity because it has three distinct ministries. There's the parish ministry, the, the weekday parish ministry, there is the uh, students there, and then there's also a ministry at uh, uh, the students at Wits University. Then there's also the third uh, leg is the midday mass. A lot of people from Inner Bramfontein come to a midday mass, and I think it must be now for 50 years wow. we've been holding confessions after that mass. And so I think it is well known that there are confessions at Holy Trinity every weekday after the midday Mass. And certainly having done those confessions on the odd occasion, one does get people coming, maybe who are afraid to go to their own parish <laughs> priest, and that kind of thing. For, uh, we've also had a sort of special um, charism in, in the Ministry of Confession, so that would be an important one. I think the parish ministry in Bramfontein is also quite an interesting one. The, the demographics of the of the parish have changed, so there is a sort of uh, the old traditional parishioners who were there when the parish started, coming from Parktown North and so on. But there's a growing element of people from the Bramfontein 
edge of Hillbrow area, who in a way tie in with our other ministry of um, ministry to uh, people from other parts. So there are large contingents at, who come to Holy Trinity at weekends who are from the Congo, from Nigeria, from other parts of Africa. And so we would think a, a good ministry to minister to them uh, in our relationship with uh, another very important work there at Brownfontein is the, what we call the, the St. Vincent de Paul Monday Night Ministry. In collaboration with Wits University, we run a uh, clinic for people from the street. Mm-hmm. So medical students, pharmacy students uh, come to Trinity and they, they gain experience that they're supervised by trained pharmacists and trained doctors and they help deal with the common ailments of people who come there off the streets. Again, people who can't receive the normal medical facilities offered by the government because they don't have IDs, they don't have recognized status and so on. So that's a very important ministry, I would say, that we do um, in Brownfontein. The other parish we have in Johannesburg is in Soweto. So it's good to have uh, a good South African parish, black parish, uh, that we minister into uh, uh, to share a little bit the ministry with other uh, priests in the diocese and to sort of uh, be in contact with the sort of dynamics of the the Diocese of Johannesburg. And I'd say that would be true also of our parish in Cape Town. We run St. Mary's Parish in Nyanga, um, and that would also be a a black township parish where um, Nyanga is known to be the murder capital of South Africa, I'm not sure if it's the world, but certainly... I've certainly heard the world said sometimes, so yes. So that's again an important place to be uh, for that uh, ministry. And again, to have that sort of uh, insertion uh, into the diocese, archdiocese of Cape Town to share that ministry with with the other priests. So So that sort of gives us a a working relationship with the rest of the church rather than these, in a way, what I would call specialized ministries of chaplaincy work and uh, work with refugees. Hmm. That all sounds amazing. I'd like to just touch, we've got a few minutes left, but I want to just touch in on the um, the last ministry that I know the society's really invested in, and that's the pre-seminary that... Um, Father Thomas and Father Chris are running down in Cape Town. And again, that's something that you've had your fingers <laughs> yes. in the pie of before your appointment as regional superior. Yes. Um, the Bishop's Conference asked us to run that seminary for them. It's uh, the first year of students joining a diocese. It's a national seminary. So people come from all the dioceses in South Africa to join that seminary. And the, I've been a novice master uh, before I went into seminary work, and uh, a novitiate, a novice master, sort of teaches people the basics mm-hmm. of, uh, as I said, like in Jesuit world, giving them that charism of St. Ignatius. And I think the seminary also, I used to tell the bishops, we're providing you with a novitiate for the diocesan priests. Mm-hmm. So it's to train them in prayer, it's to train them in uh, some kind of spirituality, some kind of human formation, spiritual formation, and uh, uh, intellectual formation. So those would be the, the areas that we would like to sort of 
create a foundation for them that will serve them later on when they go on to serious studies of philosophy and theology. Thank you. So just to close, I know that you've been regional superior now for a number of years here in South Africa. And just to, to give some of the listeners who may not know what the term means, just to give them a sense of what it means that you're the regional superior of the Jesuits here. Okay. Um, we are a region of the Jesuits. A region is, uh, in a way, a baby province. So if we grow in numbers... I would become the provincial of the Jesuit, the province of South Africa. At the moment, we are a, a baby province, if you like, uh, so we are called a region, and a, not a provincial, but a regional superior. At the moment, we're going through, an, uh, the Jesuits worldwide are going through an uh, uh, interesting exercise of uh, amalgamating provinces. So, for example, Spain is now one province. Brazil is one province where there used to be five before. We're negotiating at the moment, which will be interesting for uh, our region, the province of Zimbabwe, Mozambique, Zambia, Malawi, and ourselves are now uh, working at becoming one province. Mm. So at the moment, we have a joint novitiate in Lusaka, and we're about, hopefully, to start a joint tertianship. At the end of our training, they say um, uh, Jesuits have a very long training. That's because we're slow learners. And uh, uh, we have to, uh, at the very end of the training, we go through what is called a third year of novitiate, which we call a tertianship. So we're thinking of starting that here in Cape Town. So, uh, so we're already starting joint projects uh, for this amalgamation of these three jurisdictions of Zambia, Malawi, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, and ourselves. That sounds very exciting, Father David. Thank you so much for talking to us today, and have an excellent feast day. Thank you very much, Francis. Thanks a lot.